0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're getting through the week well with tons of self-care, focusing on leisure and pleasure. Oh, we've got a great show planned for you, though. We're going to be talking about the top insecurities of men, people that are malidentified identified (laughs) ways to kind of get around and ways to identify them. Just, you know, look, got to be better. Also going to be talking about domestic violence. It exists in gay relationships, but it often goes unacknowledged because people think that, you know, a man on man or female on female, that it's a different case, but it's not domestic violence is a domestic violence. Um, Let's question the night, though, quickly, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page and the stories and uh, DMs always open. So slide on in them. But um, let's open the show by talking about some news. Uh, A study came out. Almost 30 million Americans did not have enough to eat last week. And that's due to the uh, pandemic. Yep. The depression happening around that with people that are underemployed, unemployed, furloughed, struggling to pay their bills. That is Heartbreaking to hear a number like that, and that, again, that's deep. That's due to the deep recession from COVID pandemic, and it's put millions of people out of work. Unemployed Americans have been receiving an extra six hundred bucks a week, but um, that's not necessarily going to help. Thirty million Americans didn't have enough to eat. That hurts my heart, especially when we're looking at people like Jeff Bezos from Amazon. The amount of billions that that mofo's rake, raking in, um, and uh, you know, again, we're we're seeing people that can't even get food. The millionaires, the top millionaires have enough money to actually bail everyone out, but uh, that's greed. You know, how many boats do you need to have? How many homes do you need to have? How many millions and billions do you need to make? Someone mentioned this. I thought actually, I agreed that once you hit a certain cap of a certain amount of millions, that the rest of the money has to start getting donated. I'm here for that. But again, I have socialist leaning. So I think we have to think collectively and really care about how we impact others and that we all deserve to have access to healthcare, food, housing, etc. cetera. Anyway, uh, let's look at a sex-based research piece, cardiovascular, cardiovascular exercise associated with reduced levels of sexual dysfunctions. Now again, Again, our bodies have various levels of functioning and that's not bad. That's not a disorder, but yes, cardiovascular exercise is good for what heart oxygen, um, all those things are really an important part of getting aroused and erect and um, orgasm. So uh, yeah, it's good for the heart and the body is good for the sexuality. So, and we also know that we talked about that a couple of times about mood. We all need to be moving, getting outside, getting sunlight, but also moving our bodies in whatever way feels good to us. Because again, if it's not rooted in fun and pleasure, it's just yet one more stressful thing. And then that does take away the positive mental health benefits if you're not enjoying it or feeling good about it. And that's why for some people, it's about lifting weights. Others, it's just, about cardio others it's about dancing but um you know for some people just making it you know no pain no gain isn't sustainability for them they need to exercise to a good enough extent to a point where it feels good feels fun uh they've challenged themselves but it's not necessarily overdoing it because then they might not come back a florida couple have been jailed for violating quarantine after a positive test result for covid uh first off you're jerks if you got a positive test and you're like, yeah, we don't care, we're going to go out in the world and spread it to God knows how many people, that is horrible, horrible, shame on you. Um, the couple, come on, what's going on, you guys? Like, I mean, I was feeling bad. You know, bad enough about seeing people getting together that didn't know whether or not they're infected, and now this couple did. Now, again, I'm not here for the prison system. I'm a prison abolitionist, um, and that's work that we're starting to talk about. John Legend is talking about that. Angela Davis. You know, um, everyone. That it's a slow build. You're going to hear more of that. Kim Kardashian was talking about law school and advocating for that. I mean, it's in, it's out there. And so I'm not all. About, I'm not about punishment. That is not. That, again, we have the highest rate of inmates and we have high crime rates. It is, prison does not deter. Prison is just punishment. And prison does not heal the causes that are leading people to do some of these things. So my point being, putting the couple in jail does not prevent from others doing that. There might be a few that are deterred, but generally it's a different approach that we need as to looking at why people aren't following the rules. And some of it is the people we have in positions of power, the messaging they're giving. We have, you know, Dr. Cuckoo, who is on the news, you know, Trump was retweeting it, Madonna did saying all sorts of crazy talk about not needing to social distance. It's people like that and the president that perpetuate the misinformation and Fox news that these people are hearing and saying, we don't need to stay home, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a larger issue. Just punishing doesn't remove the problem. It's that's a reaction. Problem already happened. They're just punishing it. Well, let's prevent the problem from occurring. Punishment doesn't do that. Sad news. The first U.S. dog to test positive for coronavirus died in New York. Oh, that's so sad to me. Um, Man, he was a uh, Staten Island German Shepherd, first dog in the U.S. test positive for coronavirus. Uh, He died on July 11, a little less than three months after he began showing symptoms. Man, seven-year-old dog fell ill after the owner caught the virus. Jeez, from owner to dog. Isn't that heartbreaking? I could not, again, this is why I'm following the rules. Wearing my mask, social distancing, not joining others. I I, I don't want to give it to anyone I care about. I don't want to give it to my damn cat. You know what I mean? That little nugget, she doesn't deserve to have that. Oh gosh, you guys, pandemic still happening. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about male insecurity and then domestic violence in same-sex relationships. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way for you to help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED, N-E-E-D, to 76278 to give a buck and put food in the mouth of a hungry child and their loved ones. Just $1, it's going to make a huge difference. So learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at WeAreChannelQ.com. All right, we're back. Now let's talk about male identity and male insecurities. So. I have a story related to this. And this was, gosh, this is powerful enough that this has stayed with me. So when I was a teenager, my later teens, I worked at a record store. And I remember I was in the back of the store with the owners, a heterosexual couple, and the male was talking about an upcoming pool party. And I don't remember how he got to this, but I overheard him saying to, uh, I think a friend who had come by the store, that he wasn't confident taking his shirt off. And a female friend who was there with them, it was a group of them talking, said, oh, I didn't realize guys even cared or thought about things like that. And it was a really... It was a really interesting moment of recognizing that like, wow, some people don't think that people that are male or, or that are, excuse me, that are male presenting or male identified that somehow they are left out of body shaming and body dysmorphia. And it's an issue that affects everyone. The numbers are staggering. When you look at males and people from the LGBTQIA community, that are impacted. It's not just a heterosexual, cis hetero thing. This is everybody. We've, we've done enough damage where everyone is now touched by it. I, I can't think of anyone who doesn't in some form pay attention to how they look. Uh, Have their mood tied to how they look, talking about how much they eat in problematic ways and their body and their weight or the bodies of others. It's a mess. It's a mess. So we have to remember, it's not just one gender or one kind of person that has insecurities. We are all trained to not feel okay as we are. Most products and marketing on the planet are rooted in the concept that you're not okay as you are. You need to change how you look, what you drive, what's going on. It's all about change, change. That's consumerism, and that's not mental health. Mental health is is rooted in authenticity and liberation, realizing I'm okay as I am, Dis- disconnecting from these sources of externally created struggle the, you know our body image issues are things we internalize from the world the world's putting that in us we create that as members of the world we have the ability to stop that we need to do that that's why i'm always talking about body positivity it's a part of mental health and we are all internalizing what the world is telling us we should think and feel and how we should value ourselves or not value ourselves so that's the first one we talk about male insecurities first one is their bodies you know, women and non-binary people are are also individuals that struggle with this, but you know, men also struggle with their bodies, you know, body hair, body shape, body size. And that kind of segues into the second one, and that's penises. And that's one of the things that I heartbreakingly hear in my office all the time: people not feeling dateable or attractive or masculine or male enough because of penis size. And that's reinforced all the time by people using small penis jokes to uh, make fun of someone they, they don't like, like the president. You know, if you like the president, you shouldn't, but talk about the behavior. But we'll use small penis jokes, and we'll see that even in pornography, where it's hard pressed to find someone who doesn't have a large penis. And there's a lot of people always reinforcing these things. So that's part of the body shame and the body struggle. Um, let's not talk about people's bodies. I'm saying that all the time. It doesn't promise anything. It doesn't, it doesn't speak to anything. Let's assess people based on their character, their person, how they treat others. But let's stop talking about individuals' worth and value based on their bodies. It's exhausting. It's exhausting for everyone. Even people that are meeting the standards, they're, they're aware of the fact that they better keep them and maintain it. Otherwise, they lose that privilege and the attractability. It's a mess. Also, sexual performance. It's a huge thing. I work into my office with people that are male identified. They feel like it's their job to start sex, to maintain it, to be assertive, but also that they perform a certain way. People that are penis owners are led to believe that they have to get erect, stay erect, worry about how big they are, how long they last. It's again, exhausting. It's exhausting. Sex is supposed to be fun. All those kinds of thought patterns and expectations take the fun out of Sex. Sex is not supposed to be tied to goals and outcome and to self-esteem. It's supposed to be something we do and whatever happens, happens, as long as we're here together having fun. Um, but again, it's it's infused with all these expectations and 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 our the scripts and narratives we have as to what is good and what is bad and what does a partner want what do we need to do to feel like a good lover or a man. Like It's exhausting. And the work is about breaking away from that. But yet, I still see tons of people perpetuating this stuff by saying, you know, no pecs, no sex, or get a body to feel good about, or all these different things. It's like, oh my God, the messaging should be, be you. You look great as you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. You can still be a good person. You can still be a good lover. There's no right way to have sex. There's no right way. There's no right way to function. There's no wrong way. So I'm always challenging people to get away from these terms, sexual dysfunction, because it's not a dysfunction. It's a disappointment. It's a rectile disappointment. It didn't work the way you wanted it to. But that's how all of our bodies work. We don't always jump as high as we want or throw as good as we want or run as fast as we want or see as great in the moment. Like That's life. But our genitals should be given the same peace and grace we give a lot of other things. Also sexual desires. Um, I tell people, just because you're in a hetero relationship doesn't mean the male is a top. Some hetero men are bottoms where you need to initiate. They want to be feeling desired. They're more passive. They're more submissive. They're more of a bottom. But again, all these expectations on someone who's male presenting that they're going to be the top and the dom and the asserter and the initiator. And we personalize it when they're not. We think there's something wrong with us and they're not attracted to us. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's exhausting. (laughs) You know, back that off. It's not our partner's body's job to make us feel desirable. That means you're struggling with your own desirability and your own confidence. Disconnect that. Go work on that. So your partner can just be who they are and function the way they function. But we put all that pressure again on their anatomy. That is, again, exhausting. And then the final piece is just masculinity and gender roles, where, again, some of the insecurities are, am I a good enough father? Am I a good enough husband? Am I a good enough boyfriend? Am I a good enough male? Am I a good enough son? Again, gender roles. All these expectations come with those labels that I just listed when it should be, just be a good person. There's many ways to be a son or to be a boyfriend or to be a dad. And however you're doing it is good enough. It doesn't have to be the standard, the traditional, or the expected. There's so many creative, diverse ways of showing up, and we need to start to normalize that diversity. It's mental health. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the heavy topic of domestic violence because, unfortunately, it goes underrecognized and underaddressed in the gay community. Because some people think a male and a male domestic violence couldn't happen; they're equals. But that's not what it's about, and that's not how it goes. And that's also a very damaging narrative. So we're going to be talking about that. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page and the story. So weigh in on that. We'll be breaking that on down later in the show, and then some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, later in the show, we're going to be talking about same-sex relationship and domestic violence, as well as sliding into those DMs. But before I do, I wanted to just get into some more stuff. i It's like this news is writing itself. So One Million Moms, which it's funny, this group, which is, you know, gay phobic, um, it's actually not a million moms. It's like one person, but basically they're upset that Hallmark channel uh, and they're claiming to boycott that over the holiday, they have a bunch of LGBTQIA storylines. Well, yeah, Gay people exist, trans people exist. Why can't they exist in films? It's so fascinating to me that people find that offensive and problematic, right? Seeing gayness on television. You mean mean representation of the real world? Like, do you also target seeing murders on television and uh, theft and lying and all of that because you're against that? You know, it's interesting when you just target the existence of a human being. So they're doing their thing. Um, I was so proud though when, They, Lifetime had announced that, you know, they were going to be showing, I'm sorry, Hallmark announced that they're going to be showing tons of storylines in their holiday. I think that that's the beautiful intersection, right? Like holiday time and some gay love. I'm here. Queer it all, y'all. Queer the kids. I'm down for it, you know? And then other good news, some gender justice. Gucci, the fashion line, dropped its first ever non-binary collection, shot entirely on gender-neutral models. Love that. Love that. Love that. I I, I love this. It's, you know, again, we were talking about how some uh, toy stores, are no longer separating girls toys from boy toys. Cause again, that's not even a true separation. Let kids play with what they want to play with. It's also how we see hidden talent, but I like fashion doing that because a lot of non-binary individuals, people that aren't, you know, uh female or male performing or identified, you know, again, like there's a lot of violence against anyone who has any kind of uh, gender diversity or expression like that. And so I love fashion trying to be a normalizing entry point right and for so long that cuz fashion is one of the ways that we most you know most overtly and powerfully express our gender is not you know how we feel we usually try to align our outside with that inside and that's how we move through the world. And again, that's the difference between sex and gender, right? Where we talk about someone's sex, what sex are they? That's usually based in anatomy, right? Which we can't see via clothing, but gender is how we express ourselves in the world. And usually it's about hairstyle and clothing. Those are the two main ways that we really kind of present that, also with the use of pronouns. But I love the gender neutral clothing. It's it just, gosh, look, it just expands options. Being, being someone who's male identified in our culture, me, I get bored when I look at the, you know, just, you know, casual clothing is a lot, little more simpler, but when you're dressing up, it's like, I guess I'm wearing a jacket and a tie, I guess I'm wearing a jacket and a tie where if you have some kind of other gender expression or you're comfortable stepping outside the traditional gender roles, which in terms of fashion, I'm not as comfortable doing, uh, people can wear all sorts of things. And I love that. Um, but yeah, you know, with my own clothing options, I tend to be very gendered or, you know, I tend to actually skew more just for something casual and simple, but yes. Delta just banned over a hundred people because they refused to fly with a mask. Love that. Thank you for supporting life on this planet. More of that to come. Uh, Of course, people are very upset about that. We were talking about other airlines mandating mask wearing, but Delta has banned over 100 people. I'm here for that. Also, sadly, overdoses. The numbers are skyrocketing right now during the pandemic. And I think that's because, again, people are depressed. They don't have the access to some of their distractions. They don't have uh, employment, financial worries. And isolation is a huge trigger for people that struggle with their relationship to drug and alcohol. And right now, a lot of people, their mental health struggles are amplified. Like I said, other supportive factors are removed and um, they have a lot of downtime. Because for some people, having to go to work or seeing friends was a buffer. It blocked, it limited, it reduced use. But for some people, they're like, look, I'm, I'm home all day long, I have no reason not to use. Or again, my life isn't the way it was before. Whatever's going on. And so overdoses are skyrocketing. So what does that mean for us? Let's, let's keep people, let's keep connected. You know, people that, you know, maybe suffer from mental health issues and struggles and drug and alcohol, stay connected, stay close, keep checking in on them. Let them know that you're someone who cares. You're someone who's there. But again, keep checking in saying, how's your mental health? You know, uh, what kind of triggers have you had? How close have you gotten to using in a loving, supportive way? You're not trying to fix change. It's not even about accountability. It's about care, you know, care, presence, and connection. So stay connected, everyone. I tell everyone three to five people a day, reach out, hit them up whatever method, you might have saved someone's life and given them a reason to stay sober, you know, or to stay alive just by sending them a quick text thinking about you hope you're well, or when you're around to do some FaceTiming, whatever it is, just that recognition that someone cares and someone's there can be completely life-changing and life-saving, so remember that. And then um, finally, there's a a whole hashtag going around, but more importantly, a little bit of a, a movement among doctors because one of them, a female of course, posted a bikini picture And um, a lot of people attacked it and said that that's not professional. And so many, many medical professionals were saying, wait a minute, you're shaming female physicians for posting some personal pictures. Look, if you're going to not see a doctor because they post, well, let's say, let me say it like this. If you're not going to go see a doctor because they wear a bikini sometimes, that's on you. That says nothing about the doctor. And there's no reason for them to not feel comfortable documenting what they're doing in real life, like wearing a bikini while at the beach on their social media. Right, Uh, Professionals are allowed to be sexual beings. Professionals are allowed to have and show a body. That's actually an act of confidence and self-esteem in our body-shaming sex-phobic culture. So let's support the fact that people aren't feeling confined and dehumanized and participating in some professionalism. Because again, professionalism is racist. It's rooted in white standards and norms of fashion and decorum. Um, It's also classist because some people don't have the money and the resources to wear what is, quote-unquote, under this made-up label and um it should be just wear what you're comfortable wearing wear what makes sense to your culture wear what you can afford and mocking doctors and challenging them because they wear bikinis sometimes and post it that's a mess man that's some body and sex phobia we got to do better that has nothing to do with their skill set which is why i'm always talking about being tattooed i show my tattoos i've done two doctoral programs you know published and i also have tattoos and you got to accept all of it you know what i mean um, so anyway, okay. DMs coming up next, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel, Q and radio.com. All right. Time to slide into those DMs sliding into the DMs sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at church and condoms because there's a big old sex world and we want you to explore the confidence. DMs come from our Love Line IG page. So slide on into the DMs with your questions. We'll be answering them. This one says, hello, Dr. Donahue. My relationship is almost perfect. Ah, stop right there. It's about good enough. No perfect, almost perfect means to me good enough. Case closed, end of story, go with God. I mean, that's what you want. You want good enough. Nothing's gonna be perfect. Everyone we're with, there's gonna be that thing, that issue to work through, nothing's perfect. And often what we think perfect is or should be is an illusion or it's coming from our ego or it's not real, but I will continue your question. My relationship is almost perfect, except that she smokes weed all day, every day. Sometimes I find myself so annoyed because she gets high and isn't helpful. We can't have full conversations. And I'm over here being sober Sally. She says she needs it to cope with her anxiety and her anxiety is actually bad. She's had panic attacks before. But there has to be a medium here. I feel like when she's sober, she's irritable. And when she's high, she's happy. But our conversations are dumb and I make a lot of decisions by myself. Look, personally, I feel for you. I was in a relationship with someone who was smoking nonstop. Was theirs because of anxiety Yes, but their anxiety was more about the fact that they didn't know who they were in the world or what they wanted to do. They were in an in-between position, a a powerful phase of growth. And so they're smoking a lot of weed as, as something to do, something to fill their time, something to protect them from having to really deal with some of the things that they would have had to face. It's not always bad or wrong. Some people, their lives are saved by lots of distraction, tons of eating and sex and drugs. For them, that is how they slowly integrate and deal with what's happening. Okay, so I I appreciate what you're saying. You know, again, having been in a relationship with someone who's high all the time, it was, it was, yeah, it was really hard to have present, really present conversations in the kind of consciousness that I was in. And that's what I remind people on all ends. If one person's drinking, the other isn't, or one person's smoking weed and the other isn't, you are at two different levels of consciousness. And it's not necessarily going to be compatible and it can become frustrating for people on both ends or one end. And so I usually say, if you're not in a similar consciousness, that's not the time to really try to have those conversations, period, end of story. You know, say to the person, listen, when you're no longer high, let's talk about that. Or when you're no longer, you know, tipsy, Um, not in a way that's punishing or rude. It's just recognizing we're in two different levels of consciousness. Even me, I, I stopped drinking alcohol. And so... I know what it's like on both ends. And now that I don't get intoxicated in that way, when I'm with someone and they're having drinks, it's not the same. It's not as much fun. We're on a different plane, different languaging. So having said that, you're saying this person gets high all the time. I would say that then it's not working, quote unquote. Not the relationship, but whatever they're using. Because if our method of coping is getting in the way of other things that are important to us, then it's not the right one and it's not working or we're not using it the right way. Because true success would be I'm no longer anxious and I'm also able to engage in and show up the way I want to to other important things in my life. That's when you've found a method that works. But again, this is showing that it's not. So my question would first be, is your partner not thinking it's an issue or do they say, look, it works, the anxiety's gone. I'm sorry that you don't feel like I'm present. I, I, I That's not a concern of mine. Because that would be concerning to me in a red flag if they're like, yeah, I don't really care about our ability to connect. I have to believe that they're feeling that that's off. Because, you know, when people are smoking, they can still have some reality testing and say, I, I can see the concern or disconnect. So what I basically say is a couple of things. Maybe it's a harm reduction model. mean Just change your relationship to marijuana, that your, your partner, where she could smoke less when she smokes. Not smoke as much, right? So instead of maybe a a whole joint, she each time smokes half. Because you don't need to get stoned. Now we're no longer using it medicinally. It might just be to take the edge off and that shouldn't be to a point of being on a different level of consciousness, right? So smoke less when she smokes. Also see if she can smoke less often. and also, yeah, I want her to learn how to deal with some anxiety. The whole purpose of life isn't never having to feel these things. And coping mechanisms or even medication aren't used to a point of never feeling those feelings. It's just about reducing the amplification and the severity so it, so we can cope better while finding ways to remove the stressors or ways to have a new relationship with them. So, again, lovely expressed. express. I don't think the marijuana is working. And hopefully they'll agree and then you're on the same page, and then all's well. But if not, then you might have to make other decisions because clearly your needs aren't getting met in the camp. Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about domestic violence in same-sex relationships, and then question of the night. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Uh, Question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG story. Weighing on that. So a little bit of a heavy topic. We're going to talk about domestic violence or what we also sometimes call interpersonal violence in same-sex and bisexual couples. Um, it's, it's something that goes undiagnosed and underrecognized for a lot of reasons. Uh, people that aren't hetero are often left out of the research. So when research is done on domestic violence, it's done on straight couples because, you know, we live in a heterocentric culture. And so most studies are done focusing on straight people, cisgendered people, and white people. And a lot of studies are often done at, uh, on college students. That's the preferred age for a multitude of reasons. And again, that can't speak to people younger or older. Research done on white individuals can't be uh, universalized to black people or people of color, indigenous people. Uh research from heterosexual couples cannot just be immediately applied to gay couples. Like these things matter. It's called being intersectional, intersectionality, looking at all the intersectional identities, how that adds to power, lack of power, disempowerment, exploitation, privilege matters. Can't just do research on a bunch of dudes and say so it applies to all men. Nope. Were they gay? Were they trans? Were they cis? Were they black? Were they white? That matters. That will change the research. That will also change who this applies to. So we gotta do research differently. So basically a lot of same-sex violence also goes under-recognized because people think, oh, well, it's okay for men to hit each other. So if it's two guys fighting in a gay relationship, it it it's it's not it's not the same. They don't see the power differential. We see a man being violent with a woman and we problematize that. Often we'll also see a, a female hitting a man and we don't problematize that. I see it all the time, even in movies and television. The woman hits, swats the man and no one says anything. That is domestic violence. Anyone hitting another person in an interpersonal relationship, that is interpersonal violence, domestic violence. It doesn't matter if it's a female hitting a uh, hitting a man or a man hitting a female, it's, it's violence. It doesn't matter if it's a female and female or male on man, but we sometimes normalize male on male fighting. And we don't realize that that's domestic violence and that it's not always... Something that doesn't have some kind of power differential tied to it, because it does. Now, what's interesting about the research is it shows that the violence is actually higher for gay or bisexual individuals with the highest amount being bisexual individuals, actually. And we're linking a lot of that to all the different factors we're talking about, underrepresentation, underrecognition, not having support. Um, you can't get standard treatment protocol applied either, that domestic violence for same-sex couples is different. The treatment planning, the resources needed. There's homophobia, so people aren't often given the, access, the, res- uh, the services they need, or it's not safe for someone who's gay. Or gay people don't feel safe going, and they're aware that that's a heterocentric place. So there's not the same resources, there's not the same research. That that all comes together to really marginalize and exploit the gay community, and again, bisexual people more so. So we have to start talking about the fact that it exists. We also have to talk about what it looks like, because there's when we talk about domestic violence, we talk about uh, physical violence and also implied violence, right? So we we know. I hope that to smack someone, hit someone strike something, um, hit them with something, your hand or an object. That's physical violence. But implied violence, um, which then often forms, falls more under the emotional violent category, is when you're maybe not throwing something at them or hitting them, but you're throwing things and you're hitting things. That's emotional violence. That's implied physical violence. I'm not hitting you, but I'm slamming and hitting things around you, which means maybe I will hit you or maybe I will hit you next or next time. It's that's still a violent situation, but it falls more into the emotional. So we want to call that out. Hey, you're getting emotionally abusive or you were emotionally abusive with me yesterday, the other Day, We need to say that to loved ones and friends or help friends identify that. Wow, what you're talking about sounds a lot like physical violence or implied physical violence, emotional violence then, you know, or wow, your partner's been going through your stuff and your phone. That's emotionally violent. It sounds like you maybe are in a violent relationship. Can we talk about that? Are you comfortable or willing to talk to me about that? Or I want people to be able to go to friends and and family members saying, listen, I'm now realizing that that these behaviors are there, or even your partner, when it, when, and if you're feeling safe, I'm now able to identify that a lot of the things that we've allowed, or you've done, or you've brought into this relationship fall under interpersonal violence and it needs to stop, or we need to address that. You know, and I always say a lot of us have been raised thinking some emotionally violent or implied violent things are okay. And they're normalized. And so call them out in yourself, call them out in your partner, right? Call them out in the relationship, work on that. Um, that's workable. Right? We, we can learn better. We can learn better ways of being, tools. But physical violence, you immediately exit and put the relationship on pause and say it is not safe to be with you in this way. We're putting that on pause until you get help and you take accountability and there's change. But that immediately puts the relationship on pause. Emotional abuse, it's 50-50. Generally, you might need to put on pause and say listen, we're pausing this. We're not healthy enough to be together. You're not healthy enough for me to be with you or I'm not healthy enough to be with someone myself, right? So it can go in any direction. So we put it on pause maybe, but the emotional is more workable. That usually just needs learning, new skills, but the physical unacceptable. But again, in gay relationships, we need to be able to identify it. We need to be able to talk about it. And more importantly, within the mental health and public health field, we need to be doing better research and offer better resources and safer spaces and train people to be able to identify it. Because again, people usually only think it exists in same sex, I'm sorry, in same... um, And opposite-sex relationships with couples, but uh, not not the case. Friendships can have this stuff as well too, right? So pay attention to that. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way for you to help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED to 76278 to give a buck and put food in the mouth of a hungry kid and their loved ones. Just $1 to make a big difference. Learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at wearechannelq.com. All right, we're back, question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page and the stories, weigh in on that. And then we'll be doing some DMs, but uh, I wanted to spend some time talking about a couple different things, but let's use the brand of uh, the label of self-care. And the reason why we talk a lot about this is individuals sometimes are still saying to me, I don't even know what it is. So we're gonna just quickly go through a few things that fall under that label. Because I think, again, we think of like, Someone made this reference the other day and I thought it was amazing. They're like, we think of like Oprah or Oprah's magazine or what we think Oprah's doing, where we think it's champagne and bubbles in a bath or sitting outside, you know, in our beautiful backyard. And it's like, no, it's not. So let's go through some of the things it could be. Self care could be calling a trusted friend or family member. Just reaching out to someone, that's sometimes self-care. I'm prioritizing my need to connect, I'm prioritizing my mental health or someone else's, we're gonna ask, Uh, it'll be laughing and fun when I make this call, or maybe it's about distraction. Whatever it is, self-care, sometimes it's just reaching out to a friend or family member. Also, maybe calling in sick, taking paid sick leave, getting the day off, taking a mental health day. I want employers to allow that. I want people to be able to be mentally healthy in our world and not need a physical ailment, but to be able to say, look, I'm really depressed today, I'm really sad, or, I'm just not able to be present. I need the day off. Take the day off. Sleep in. Do nothing, right? Because again, self-care is about nothingness. It's about rest. It's about healing. So don't use that day to then work more by cleaning or whatever it is, right? Also, it can be boundaries, social boundaries, saying no to an obligation, saying no to something you said you do, uh, saying no to chores, saying no to anything that doesn't make you feel grounded or soothed or feeling better. Um whatever it is sometimes again we're going to let people down or disappoint them by centering ourselves being self-centering and that's self-care saying no to obligations or some promises or commitments you made it's you're allowed to do that you're allowed to say I know I said I could do that but I can't I can no longer you know it's no longer aligned with my mental health or my self-care um, also just putting down some expectations you have on yourself for yourself for that day, doing something good enough, just maybe that day work, it's going to be about just working good enough. You're not going to be working as well as you could or doing as much as you could or as productive, but that's okay. Or maybe whatever the chores you had planned, you'll knock five off the list. It's going to be a day of doing just enough, good enough. I don't need to do more as much as I normally do. I'm going to drop the bar a little bit. That's self-care. That's kindness, right? So is going to bed Earlier or sleeping in, right? Like I'm gonna go to bed early, get more sleep. You know, I'm not gonna stay up doing whatever I was gonna do, or I'm gonna sleep in. You know, just sleep in because I can, or I'm gonna push back meetings or call into work and go in late. Um, Or let's talk more about the better bedroom. Maybe it's cleaning your sheets, putting on new sheets. Maybe it's buying new sheets, more comfortable sheets right? Or laying in bed, but you're not going to sleep, you're going to nap on and off, maybe while watching television, falling asleep while watching television, reading a book, right? Watching a movie, something that's scary, something that's silly, something that's romantic, right? Also, maybe rereading things, maybe even reading children's books, Adults can get a lot from children's books. Some children's books are written with threads for the adults that are reading it, maybe with the child that we on our own can read. I I love children's books. I collect them. Uh, not wildly, I don't have a massive collection, but I keep an eye on some of them. And my mom will send me some really beautiful ones, and they have really powerful messages. The, the beautiful thing about children's books are they, they have to be quick, clear, and concise. And so sometimes it's complex topics, really made more basic, and that's easier for us to digest and hold on to. And so as adults, children's books can be very stunning, very powerful. Um, what else? What else? What else? Asking for what you need. Friend, family member, partner. Hey, I could use some cuddles. I could use some attention. Could you flirt with me? Could you prioritize me? Can we go do something, right? Like that's, that's, that's also it. Um, getting on the YouTube um, what do we else we got here? I'm looking at a list, uh, and kind of playing with it, messing it, translating it, wrapping yourself up in a cozy blanket, having tea. I love things like that. There's some things that symbolically we're just going to associate with self-care and that will then make it self-caring. And sometimes it's based on an image. The idea of being rolled, you know, bundled up on the couch in a blanket just drinking tea and then you go and you mimic that and you actually internalize the associated feelings and experiences and mood of it i love that just i love but here notice how simple these things are and they don't have to have any money spent they're not depleting there's no energy put into them i love them hydrating sometimes that's just your self care i'm going to drink water today or more water prioritize that eating have you eaten enough Have you eaten delicious things, things that make you feel good? That doesn't mean they're always quote-unquote nutritious, but they're things that make you feel good. Sometimes eating a couple brownies puts a smile on your face. It makes you feel good because you're saying, I'm not going to worry about gaining weight or emotional eating. Those things are acceptable. They're allowed. I'm going to center pleasure. I'm going to eat those donuts. Again, we talked about sleep. Sometimes just taking a shower, especially when you're struggling during this time of pandemic. We're tired. We're lonely. We're depressed. We're bored. But I'm going to shower. I'm going to do my hair. I'm going to put on something that makes me feel good or better. I love all this stuff. So easy. Going to a 12-step meeting, right? They're happening with Zoom. Calling your sponsor. I love this as well. Taking a bath and lighting candles. That is so foreign to me. I don't do that a lot. So when I do have a bath and light candles, it's very transformative. It's a moment, I play music, I turn my phone off. I mean, that might, the key to all this might be turn your phone off. The key to all this might be, be unavailable with your phone off in the drawer for three hours at least, you know what I mean? Or the whole day. There's times where I'll put my phone in the drawer and not look at it for a whole day. It changes my entire day. I'm happier. I'm more grounded because there's nothing I need to know about right away. Everything in my life can be responded to within a few hours. Everything. There's nothing in my life that needs immediate attention. I don't have anyone that I'm responsible for in that way, you know? And so see if you can create that time. Even if you have to let some people know, hey, I'm going to turn off my phone for a few hours. Is there anything you might need? Checking in before I do that, you know, or checking in afterwards, Um, but I love how easy these are going through some emails, cuddling, something, knitting, sculpting, baking. I love all this journaling. Notice all these things are cheap. They're free. They're easy. They're not exhausting. Meditating, writing out a gratitude list. I love that. It reminds you of all the beautiful things that are good or are happening. Reading poetry. Ah, right. Like that's amazing stuff too. Um, those are some things that we don't always prioritize or make time for, but part of self care is doing those alternative things that have meaning and value that aren't always there for us. I love that. All right. Question of the night coming up next is that. So still some time to weigh in on that. Go on our Loveline IG page, and then, uh, we'll be doing some DMS. All right. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right. We're back now. It's time for question of the night. So Today's question of the night has to do with arguments. Now, again, remember, y'all—we always talking about the difference between chemistry and compatibility. Chemistry is that fire; <laughs> it's that that drive, that arousal, that desire. It's that force that drags you across Starbucks and makes you ask that other person out. It's the—it's that force, that desire that makes you keep wanting to see someone. And that's what's interesting when you look uh, in, in terms of the natural process of courtship you can begin to understand why some of these experiences have to happen. Imagine, imagine if chemistry wasn't a force that existed, we would be missing that really strong, powerful thing that makes us keep reaching out every day and getting excited when they text us, making us willing to put the time and effort into continuing to see someone. It's a necessary force, but we can get hung up on it when it becomes more powerful than levels of compatibility. Chemistry is powerfully strong. We'll ignore compatibility time and time again. And chemistry is important. It's that fire. It's that spice. But remember, compatibility is what happens when the two personalities come together. Compatibility is what we really look for in terms of how happy and healthy the relationship will be. And uh, I wanna say that sustainability should be rooted in compatibility, but often it's rooted in chemistry, and that's where you see couples that are staying in really horrible relationships where they fight all the time, they don't get along well, and you're kind of like, why are you together? It's often because of the chemistry, because they're just pulled towards each other, The, the fire's there, sex is good, affection's good, they're attracted to each other, but that's not enough, and that's the point, is you wanna have compatibility as well, and that's what happens day to day when our personalities come together. And compatibility takes time to assess also the problem chemistry is there immediately within seconds and that's what again keeps us coming back to explore compatibility but we need to go slow so we can take a couple months to figure out compatibility and then make decisions based on that based on both forces but that's when some people you know you find out they got married right away or moved in right away or got monogamous right away or you know deleted the apps and focused on each other they really didn't date And dating's not the relationship. Dating's finding out if we should or could be in a relationship, right? So dating is the secondary piece. Um, But Question of the Night is a survey done by Finnish Cleaning Products. (laughs) I love that. Says that the average couple argues about doing the dishes 217 times a year, which is why I say to people, hey, whoever's better at it or more interested in that, go do it let the other person do something else. Again, relationships aren't about equality where if I'm doing the dishes, so are you. It's about mutuality. We all have equal power and we feel equally empowered and cared for. And part of that saying like, listen, we fight over the dishes all the time. So you seem to want it cleaner. You're more comfortable with that you go do that. And I'll take on some other level of responsibility. Uh, I'll do the finances and the bills, or I'll, you know, kick the, pick the kids up at school or I'll cook dinner and you do the dishes. But a lot of times the fights are, you know, something that can be resolved by just saying one person do it, or even by realizing are we fighting are we using the dishes to fight about something else right what else might us might be trying to work through so anyway question of the night was I never get to it what's the pettiest dumbest argument you've gotten into with your boo these are always gems love this first person said over not putting the toilet seat down see I get it things like that can bug me and that's why I in one relationship had to say I'll just I'll just put it down I'll always be the down putter let it go. You know, sometimes the way you solve an issue is by transcending it, being beyond it. Um, question of the night What's the pettiest, dumbest argument you've got into with your boo? Leaving shoes around instead of putting them on the rack. I know, I get it. Stumble over those bad boys, tripping. But, you know, again, cleanliness. Some of us like more cleanliness than the other. And sometimes the answer is the person who wants a more cleanly uh, steps in and, and, and handles that part of life. But, you know, one can say, hey, could you try to, you know, focus on that? But people get distracted, you know? What's the pettiest, dumbest argument you've gotten into with your boo? Someone said, putting his day clothes on our bed, especially my side. Like, gross. See, that's such a funny distinction. I don't think in those terms. Day clothes. You know, the clothes that you've been wearing out into the world all day. And they've gotten, I guess, germs is the implication there. So it's gross when it's on your bed. I, I never thought of them as such. I mean, I'm one of those people where they, I put them right into the laundry basket, but, um, yeah, I never, I never had such a powerful distinction of day clothes. Uh, question night. What's the dumbest, pettiest thing you've ever argued with your boo? Someone said, he didn't clean the cutting board after cutting watermelon. It was our most epic fight. And again, the difference between when one person wants it cleaner than the other, I always say, hey, you handle it. I tend to, you know, I'm pretty clean. Uh, but but I, I've been with people that are cleaner, and I'm like, I'll, I'll kind of bestow that onto you because I don't want to argue about this. Somebody else said, uh, everything kitchen related. Yeah, kitchen's a hot spot. Question of the night, what's the pettiest, dumbest argument you've ever gotten into with your boo? Someone said, how movies actually ended versus what he thinks happened. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> That'd be, I'd love to hear the distinction, how it actually went versus what your partner says. Uh, someone else said, an argument about our favorite sports teams not being good, legit fights. It's so funny. Yeah, that's definitely something I don't get in on. I don't, I'm not sports centered. So I'm all like, hey, I'll just go with whatever you think. Um, yeah, I could see it happening with, with music. I have some strong opinion, strong opinions about stuff like that. Uh question tonight. What's the pettiest, dumbest argument you've gotten into with your beer? We'll kind of close out on this one. I think the bed looks messy after he makes it. See, that's where you're being petty. I love that I, I think you're owning that though. That, you know, here's this person, they're like, hey, I'll make the bed. I know it makes us happy. And you're like, yeah, but it's still not good enough. It's like, well then I'll let you take over. You can you can swoop in when I'm done and kind of make it to your liking. All right, thanks to all those that uh, participated coming up next. DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms. Because it's a big old sex world. And we want you to explore with confidence. DMs come from our Loveland IG page. Slide on in there. Drop us your question. This one asks, hey, Dr. Chris, I'd like to come anonymously with this one. I was dating someone who ended up calling it off because she wasn't ready. However, ended up running into her on an online dating site. She knows how I feel, but it's a mind F how she likes my posts on Instagram. It gave me a, uh, some sense that she might still care. What does she want out of me when she left? Oh, what does she want out of me? She left is, she, Oh, is she breadcrumbing me or why she's still lingering around and adding salt to the wound? Yep. So here's where it gets interesting. Um, you know, look, if the relationship doesn't work out, Again, doesn't mean the individual is saying, I don't ever want to be a part of your life or know what's going on in your life. They, they clearly do. It's just that for whatever reason, they don't see you as a valuable partner or someone they're interested in or the chemistry compatibility is missing. But again, that doesn't mean they don't want you in their life. They don't want to keep up with you. And that's why some people continue or start to follow them on social media. You know, again, I don't want to date you or have sex with you, but I want to know what's going on in your life. I enjoy you or you're funny or whatever it is. Uh, I've done that to people and it wasn't an attempt to breadcrumb, which is to slowly pull them back or slowly disappear or just leave little pieces of, you know, validation or whatever it is. So someone has a hook to hang hope on and be misled. Um, It was just because again, I, I followed people after we broke up because the sexual romantic stuff wasn't able to work, but I still wanted them in my life. And um, I'm sad that that's confusing to some people, but it sounds like there's clarity and the boundaries been set. this person isn't interested in you in that way. and I would say move on and don't try to make meaning out of them still following you. um i'm a, I'm more afraid I, I'm less worried about what they're doing and I'm more worried about the meaning you're making out of what they're doing. Please don't see that. Some people will say, but look, look, I'm like, nope, don't don't make meaning out of that. So hold the boundaries, the boundaries been set, and unfortunately, you have to kind of move on and move forward. but I do want the listeners to have a little lesson in this on the other end, which is be as honest and clarifying as you can. Don't, you know, say words like, let's still be friends if that's not what you want. If you're interested in ending and breaking it off, make sure you use those words uh if you are looking for friendship express that maybe even make it clear hey is it okay if I still follow you on social media or hey I was going to continue to keep following you because I think you're super rad and I really want to you know still want to be friends maybe build that kind of statement into the breakup or the boundary setting if you're willing to so that someone's clear but also y'all we got to ask questions you know You guys were together in some relationship, you dated. So there's no reason to act like you don't have that familiarity. And if they're still following you, you can reach out lovingly and say, hey, I noticed you're still following me. It's confusing to me or I don't know what to make of that. You're allowed to also approach them about it, you know? So don't feel like we have to all pretend like we're not aware that they're still following us and we're not aware that we're not dating anymore. Like, bring it up, bring it in. Have adult conversations, you know? That's what you got to do. That's what the work is about. So anyway, again, sorry that's happening. A misuse of social media and dating happens. Um, so much comes out of that stuff. So many relational issues. I'm telling you, if we got, if we didn't have some of this, some of these apps and, you know, the capacities, capabilities of the ways we can use our phones and our cameras, I'm telling you, so many relationships and marriages would be <laughs> a lot more strengthened and doing better. So it is. Anywho, all right, y'all. That is our show. Hope you catch out my I'm Listening Live, which is every Thursday night uh, on, uh, what is it? 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's on all the radio.com handles. So what is that? That is Facebook, Twitter, and also the YouTube page. And Loveline, past episodes, podcasted at wearechannelq.com or radio.com. Go back, re-listen, binge, post, share. Introduce people to the show. Also, uh, check out my books. I got two books, Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love. Go pick them up. More, more gems and gold in those. But uh, we'll be back tomorrow night um, uh, what is it? Question night. It's up on our LoveLine AG page and the story. So also weigh in on that. But, um, you know, y'all be kind to yourselves, self-care, pleasure. Remember that's your goal. after listening to listen to this. How am I doing self-care today? And if I haven't still time or I can plan it for tomorrow, bring some pleasure and joy into your life. But uh, more importantly, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me and wishing you well. Have a beautiful, beautiful night.